You're listening to a news story on the audio version of The Taiyi. Thanks for listening. The Taiyi is a nonprofit newsroom that is funded by our audience. So, if you appreciate this article and you'd like to help us do more, head on over to support.thetaiyi.ca and become a Taiyi builder. You choose the amount to give, and you can cancel any time. BC Slow Action Aids Shipbreakers Case, says Expert. By Michelle Gamage, February 20, 2023. A shipbreaking business on the east coast of Vancouver Island has been caught acting in contravention of BC's Environmental Management Act several times in the last year, but has not yet been punished for it. The same business is also being sued by its local government, the Comox Valley Regional District, for allegedly violating district bylaws. The owner of the site, Deepwater Recovery Limited, says it has never been shown test results that say it was out of compliance under provincial environmental regulations and that it has done nothing wrong under BC's laws. When the Comox Valley Regional District suit goes to court, the province's lack of action may help Deepwater Recovery's case, according to Bryce Cassavant, Director of Conservation Intelligence at the environmental organization Pacific Wild and an expert on provincial environmental enforcement. Pacific Wild Advocates to Protect Ecosystems Throughout the Northwest Pacific Region and Great Bear Rainforest The province's lackadaisical enforcement approach, Casabant said, could be used as a legal defense in the court case, along the lines of, so you know Mr. Judge, if they're not taking it seriously, why should you? Deepwater Recovery Limited takes apart old vessels, mainly barges, and sorts the materials for scrap recycling or waste. Dismantling vessels at the end of their lives is known as shipbreaking, a global industry that recycles large amounts of steel. According to the nonprofit NGO Shipbreaking Platform, which advocates for a safe, just and clean industry, 443 ocean-going commercial ships and offshore units, like oil rigs, were sold for shipbreaking in 2022. Deepwater Recovery first requested permission from the province to haul a barge out of the water in late 2019. Since then, the company has been pushing up against regional and provincial rules. The TAI has previously reported on a lack of specific domestic regulations around shipbreaking in Canada and the lawsuit between Deepwater Recovery and the Comox Valley Regional District. In the latest turn of events, the company was found to be out of compliance four times in 2022 under BC's Environmental Management Act and Hazardous Waste Regulations, which is punishable with up to $3 million in fines or a year and a half of jail time, according to reports posted on the Natural Resource Compliance and Enforcement Database. The company received three warnings for improper discharge of waste, and one advisory for improperly labeling containers used to store waste oil. Raw sewage and heavy metals like copper, lead, zinc and cadmium that exceeded what's allowable in BC waters were being discharged on site and ending up in the ocean. The province is also currently considering whether to issue a pollution prevention order or pollution abatement order due to the materials that were dumped on site and that ended up in the ocean. This could land the company an additional $300,000 fine and or six months in jail and require them to undergo site testing and construction to prevent pollution or remediate pollution. The business sits in Union Bay, which opens up onto the waterway of Baines Sound, a 40-kilometer-long channel on the east coast of Vancouver Island that is responsible for half of BC's shellfish.
deep water recovery operates on the territory of the Kamox First Nation. The nation uses Bane Sound for economic, food, social, and ceremonial purposes. Because of the potentially devastating risks posed by the business and its lack of an environmental plan, the nation is opposed to shipbreaking in Union Bay, according to a press release from December 2021. When contacted for an update no representatives for the nation were made available, but the Taiyu was told the nation was monitoring the situation and following up internally. None of the spills seems to have accumulated in shellfish in the area, according to the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. In an email to the Taiyi the regulator said shellfish harvested near industrial sites are regularly tested for biotoxins like heavy metals and harmful bacteria from feces and that 2022 tests from Baines Sound were clean. When asked why the province had not taken enforcement actions against deep water recovery, the Ministry of Environment and Climate Change Strategy replied with a statement that said, We are taking steps to ensure all applicable laws and regulations within our jurisdiction are being followed appropriately and that we are working together with other regulatory agencies to ensure the environment and human health are protected. When contacted for comment company owner Mark Jurisic said provincial regulators never actually came to his site. He alleged the province's reports were political because he'd been told regulators were under a lot of political pressure. A report from April 2022, two from September 2022 and one from December 2022 explain what regulators saw and tested for when they were on site in detail. Drone footage, taken in November 2022 by a local resident also appears to show a leaking, iridescent substance that looks like oil. In an email the Canadian Coast Guard confirmed it was aware of the spill coming from a ship moored at deep water recovery that was in the process of being pulled up on land for deconstruction. Spill pollution was minimized by sorbent booms deployed on site and the province was notified about the spill as the lead agency for spills of a land-based origin the Coast Guard said in an email. There was no petrol spill here at all, Jurisic told the Thai. The Coast Guard did not come here. Environment and Climate Change, Canada, a federal agency, did come here and said there's nothing here. A crosshatch of jurisdiction. Shipbreaking falls under three levels of jurisdiction. Ships moored offshore fall under federal jurisdiction. The foreshore belongs to the province and upland is Comox Valley Regional District's area. Governments will defer to whichever level has jurisdiction in an area, as noted by the Coast Guard, a federal body, which deferred to provincial authority on land-based spills. Jurisic challenges the validity of the work done by all provincial regulators and the three warnings and one advisory they issued. Accusing me of something doesn't mean anything. Show me where we are out of compliance, show me the effluent, show me your water testing, he said. There are no results showing that we are out of compliance. He added the Natural Resource Compliance and Enforcement Database reports did not show the science. Our attorneys say, at the end of the day Mark, the law is the law and you haven't done anything wrong. If you were, you would have been shut down particularly with the amount of pressure and exposure that you are under right now, he says. That has not happened.
Pacific Wilds Casavant has worked as a BC conservation officer and holds a PhD in provincial environmental law enforcement and its relationship to BC society. He is not involved with deep water recovery or the politicians, regulators or advocacy groups who oppose the operation, but has read emails and documents obtained through freedom of information laws about the business. The Thai reported on those documents last summer. By not acting, the province is sanctioning, Cassavant says. If I was the property owner in court I'd say, the province hasn't done anything yet. They gave me some warnings and say they're working with me. So you know Mr. Judge, if they're not taking it seriously, why should you, he says. Deep water recovery is playing multiple levels of jurisdiction against one another to its own benefit, he says adding that he saw this strategy employed by other industries during the decade he worked as a BC conservation officer. In his interview with the Thai, Jurisic declined to answer questions and told the Thai to email him instead. Corporate registry documents list Deep Water Recovery's directors as Andrew Bone, based in Port Vila, Vanuatu, and Mark Jurisic, based in Courtney, BC. The public shouldn't stand for the lack of provincial enforcement, Cassavant says. Deep water recovery has never officially asked the province to use its crown tenure for shipbreaking, and as a result has has avoided paying environmental bonds that would cover the cost of cleanup, Cassavant says. They've paid low deposits, around $25,000, he says. The potential for environmental damage could easily exceed that, believes Kasavat, who notes that because Deep Water Recovery Limited is a largely foreign-owned company, they could walk away and stick us the cost of cleanup. There needs to be a message, Kasavant. A provincial lease like the one granted to Deep Water Recovery costs around $50,000 per year, which could be thought of as income for the province, he says. But due to non-compliance and a complete disregard of the terms and conditions within the lease, taxpayers are now losing money because regulators are continuously having to interact with deep water recovery, he says. This is not a cash-positive endeavor anymore, Cassavant says. We're essentially subsidizing the shipbreaking. In Cassavant's view, the province should immediately put a lien on the vessels and start taking progressive enforcement. That means issuing a warning and then taking enforcement action if they don't comply, he says, adding that could include getting an injunction to stop work or ceasing the tenure and kicking the company out. The province should also send in the Conservation Officer Service, which acts as an industry policing body, he says. The company needs to be dealt with aggressively, Cassavant says. There needs to be a message that this type of behavior is not tolerated here. Drone footage of Deep Water Recovery's site posted in late January shows one half-dismantled sailboat, two large ships, three barges and a dozen trucks, excavators and trailers. Some of these vessels contain hazardous materials. The Miller Freeman, which Deep Water Recovery has been working to pull out of the water since August 2022, was noted as containing asbestos in several places throughout the ship in its last sail. Do not release fibers by cutting, crushing, sanding, disassembling or otherwise altering, notes the auction house's description of the boat. Jurisic did not respond to an email that included a question about whether deep water recovery was pulling the Miller Freeman out of the water to disassemble it.
hazardous materials are common in older ships that have reached the end of their life, Nicola Milanaris, Senior Communications and Policy Advisor with the non-profit NGO shipbreaking platform, previously told the TIE. Older vessels can contain PCBs, asbestos, hazardous chemicals, and heavy metals. It depends on the type of vessel and when it was built, but basically every floating vessel that's reached the end of its life is considered hazardous material, Milanaris says. The high risks posed by the shipbreaking industry make the provincial response all the more puzzling, Casabant says. He's seen kayak companies or sailboat owners who want to power wash algae off their vessels go through more rigmarole than deep water recovery has had to deal with, he says. Without taking action BC is sending the message that companies can freely ignore regulations, he adds. We're open for non-compliance, he says. Thanks for stopping by the Tai today. Anytime you're in the mood to listen to important stories written well, we'll be here. And if you'd like to keep independent media going strong, head over to the tai.ca and click on the support us button to pitch in. Finally, big big thank you to all of our Tai builders who made this story possible.